Hello, one and all, and welcome to the 100th episode of the B-Side Podcast for the Film Stage website here. As we have been doing for the last four plus years, we talk about movie stars. Not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And what a ride it has been. Connor, it's just me and you today. It is Happy indeed. 100. Yeah, back to the basics. Uh, let me. How'd you celebrate? Uh, how'd you celebrate the 100th today? What, what did you do? Tell me. I watched a fuck ton of movies. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I did. I finished pod prep. That's, that's, there you uh, go. that's what that's I, I did. I poured myself a little glass of whiskey that I'm drinking hey. now. So that's, you know, that's something. You, small victories. I cracked a lime seltzer, so equally cool. Um, we're going nuts. It's a party, people. We're here to have um, fun. We're, we're here to go crazy. So, yeah, um, what a ride. No joke. Thank you for listening. Um, I feel like we've covered a a pretty wide berth of, you know, actors, actresses, performers, filmmakers. We've had a couple of wonderful um, conversations with some of them. Yeah, yeah, we've been lucky enough, right, to have to have yeah some great guests who yeah are in which we've talked about their own B sides, right? Adrian Brody, Steve Zahn, Alessandro Novola. Um, that you know, having him on a couple times, he was very generous. A big, yeah. a big highlight for yeah, sure. Definitely, um, and an, an actor who I just love, and so that on a personal level, just a nice. You know, that's just nice at to the, be able to at kinda... the top of the pandemic. We had Brian Koppelman. Koppelman which was, was cool. the first, really. Yeah, that was kind of uh, Koppelman. Koppelman was our like our gateway into uh, into legitimacy for some guests. I yeah. Think. And so, we thank him. And yeah, we thank in, obviously indeed. Brian Koppelman, who the whole that whole thing started because he will he 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 and I'm, I'm assuming he still does the like ask me anything stuff on his active Twitter that he has. And I asked him about, um, I think I would have to go back, but I think he was like, ask me anything. And I asked him about like a main lesson you took from knock around guys, I think mm. is I asked him something like that. And his answer was good. His answer was, it was super honest. And he's a great, in this respect, he's a great interview. He was like, don't go into a movie, not feeling great about, uh, your third act, which, you know, that if you know, knock around guys, which is a pretty interesting movie, actually, it is, it is certainly like he's right about his own movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, he, I think that was his feature directorial debut, uh, him and, uh, him and, uh, David Levine. And like, it kind of is a movie that like, when you get to the end, you're like, you're like, Oh, well, what's going on? Yeah, you know? And, right. and, and, um, and it was cool that he kind of was very, aware of it's that. like the and big yeah. sleep but it doesn't get away with it you know <laughs> yeah i mean and, and it's funny there's a couple movies yeah i mean so actually let me pass to you because that's actually a good segue what are we why don't you tell us this is not going to be like one of our normal episodes so why don't you kind of tell us what we're doing yeah reveal so, kind of our little surprise so i thought what would be fun uh since everyone who's who's been part of you know just our general listenership has been so loyal and so wonderful in listening to all these uh, 99 subjects we've given you so far and all the B-sides we've listed. I thought it would be fun if this being the 100th episode after 99 subjects, if we gave you 99 more B-sides in a single episode. So what Dan and I are going to do is 
we essentially separated out every subject we've ever covered. And, and if some of our listeners might recall, you know, some of our episodes were specials. They were combo episodes. They were, you know, different little things we were trying. And I it just so happened to be a coincidence that excluding our holiday specials and obviously our 50th special, which was its own thing, and the final frame episodes, which weren't really B-side episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. all, of our B-side subjects, um, we actually covered 99 subjects. So it worked out quite quite fortuitously. 99 subjects, but a B-side ain't one. And indeed, indeed. So, so what we're going to do is kind of a, a lightning round, if you will, where we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And Dan and I are going to fire off uh, a new B-side for you to check out. Um, And some of these, just so you're aware, some of these, if, you know, if it's for an actor, maybe we pick something they produced or we pick something they wrote or we pick something that they directed or something like that. So there will be- Try to think outside the box Yeah, there will be a little bit. And frankly, some of them, because we just covered, uh, you know, everything else that was worth covering. So, so yeah, so we're going to go through (laughs) it and- um, and yeah, we hope you have fun listening. But wait, I, sorry, Dan, can you um, can you hear that? Oh, do you? I, it, it's soft, but it's here. Powerful. Wait, let me let me just let's take a minute, and I'll I'll let it just come in fully. Come on and join me on the B side with movie stars that weren't in their prime. Made all the movies that got left behind. That got them covered on the B side. You're gonna like it on the B side. You got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side And there we have, you've heard it A special new little surprise for you So yeah, Adam Blotner who um, is a a longtime friend and an incredibly talented musician and comedian um, who, just if you want to look him up, if you like that song, he's on Instagram at Adam Blotner. That's A-D-A-M-B-L-O-T-N-E-R. So Adam Blotner, will link to his stuff, obviously, in the article as well um, and on the post, but adamblotner.com, Adam Blotner on Instagram. He's on Twitter as well. Super talented guy. I've known him forever. Me and my wife made comedy stuff with him back in the day. He's still um, crushing in in New York City and all over. And he's got kind of – he's one of those people who, like, does a million things, and it's all really good. It's, kind so, of, it's, it's, it's aggravating, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. <laughs> and he's like – yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like um, – yeah, he was the first person I thought of when we were talking about doing a theme song. And, you know, we've been talking about doing it for a while, obviously. It feels like the right time, kind of celebratory. You know, and, feels and real. If you, and if you hate it, we're sorry. You're stuck with it. It's not. Changing. So, um. <laughs> but no, this feels like it fits in kind of yeah. what we do. And it's like, you know, it's cute. It's funny. It's not too serious. I like to think we're, we're not too serious on here. So anyway, hope you enjoy it. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, so I think we're going to start it off. Connor, I'll let you kind of count us into this because we're going to st- I'm going to start with our first um our first episode, which is, you know, the man, Tom Cruise, current box office king again. Indeed, king of the summer, yeah. King of the summer and like Maverick, I mean, this will come out after, but like potentially on the verge of becoming number 1 again after like 
12 <laughs> three, weeks. Three months. Yeah, something, something like Which, that. Which, you know, yeah. so Eric Davis, you know, we should just shout him out because I that, that was the tweet we saw. He he referenced this on Twitter like hours before we started recording. And then he, so I think someone like corrected him or he like asked, has another movie ever done this or whatever? And Maverick might have not done this, mind you, as we're recording. So, I, you know, it, it, it could have gotten beaten. But um, do you know what other movie did do it? The first Top Gun. Yeah, which is so <laughs> which funny. Is and like, people are like, indeed, yeah, anyway. Indeed. Um, so, so Tom Cruise, starting with him, and I'll pass it to you, Connor. Kind of yeah, so, so we're going to dive in with Tom Cruise. And you can't obviously see this, listeners, but I'm going to keep Dan and I on a bit of a timer. So, Dan, I'm going to let you kick off our lightning round of 99 B-sides yeah. with Tom Cruise in five, four, three, two. Okay, so this B-side, Tom Cruise, he produced it. It's a movie written and directed by Robert Town, who is a frequent collaborator with Cruise in the 90s all the way up through Mission Impossible 2. This movie is called Without Limits. It tells the story of Steve Prefontaine, who was an incredible American runner. He's coaches Bill Bowerman. He was an Olympic icon. Billy Crudup plays him in the film. Uh, Donald Sutherland plays Bill Bowerman, who, if you know Bowerman, he basically created Nike and kind of invented the shoe that would spurn Nike, the swoosh and all of that. So there, it's a bit of an iconography of Prefontaine, who, if you're a runner, you know, is like a living legend among runners. Monica Potter's in it. Kind of a small movie. Did, did really flopped when it came out, but um, if you have any predilection for kind of sports films, um, it's well worth a watch. So strong recommend for Without Limits. So, <laughs> so, so okay. So next up, we have uh, our second B-side episode with Jason Statham. So I chose something that may or may not be a B-side. I chose last year's Wrath of Man, which is a Guy Ritchie-directed film. It's got Statham. It's got Josh Hartnett. Uh, it's got a num number of other actors that you've seen before, including Scott Eastwood. And it basically involves Statham as kind of a really mean, surly cop slash criminal who's essentially going after the armored truck robbery gang that is all that is responsible for his son's death. And it, it involves sort of just this bloody path of revenge. And uh, it's a it's a mean, nasty movie. Um, it's a great middle afternoon Sunday TNT kind of movie. If, if that's your type of thing, there it is. Wrath of man. It's a super rad movie. Check it out. All right. Now our third one and, and our namesake, uh, the, the guy who inspired it all Keanu Reeves, the, the Prince of B-sides, the Prince of B-sides. This movie is called the Prince of Pennsylvania. I would kind of be shocked if you have seen it or even heard of it. It's written and directed by Ron Nyswaner, who you would maybe know as the guy who wrote Philadelphia. He's a pretty, um, established screenwriter. He actually wrote a movie coming out. I think it's going to be at TIFF called My Policeman starring Harry Styles. So he's still out there doing it. Prince of Pennsylvania starts Keanu Reeves and Fred Ward. They play uh, son and father, father and son. Um, it's a good movie. It's basically, he's a, he, his dad's a coal miner. He doesn't want to do it. He's a rebel. Amy Madigan runs a local joint. They have an affair, her and Keanu. They plot to kidnap Fred Ward because he's coming into some money and it goes really Really wrong but it's basically a dark comedy and not it doesn't ever really get that dark 
Not as strong of a recommend, but a light recommend and worth seeking out for sure for me. And that's Keanu Reeves. All right. And next up, we have Hugh Jackman. I chose, again, a recent picture, Reminiscence, because it came. Oh, good be said. I love this one. I remember at the time that it came out, Dan, you and I shouted out on this podcast because it's very much up our alley. Oh, yeah. It is a futuristic film noir. Hugh Jackman is a guy named Nick Bannister. Great noir name. Uh, who essentially, along with Tandy Way Newton, runs a business where they let people relive memories. So it's a little strange daisy kind of. Definitely. It's set sort of in Miami in a future where climate change has caused the the waters to rise. And Never it's happened. this very Never cool happened. sort of dystopian future. Hugh Jackman uses this technology ultimately to track down this femme fatale love of his life, played by Rebecca Ferguson. Certain things unfold that ultimately kind of lead to a Chinatown-esque, how big does it really go type situation. And that is Reminiscence. You should check it out. All right. So this next one is Matthew McConaughey. I'm going to go way shorter than 60 (laughs) seconds. Okay. The movie is Reign of Fire. It's directed by Rob Bowman. You got McConaughey. You got Bale. You got young Jerry Butler. It's... Uh, takes place in a world in which fire-breathing dragons have taken over the world and the last remaining humans are trying to kill them. Come on. That's Just it. watch the movie. It's that's so it. Good. That's, that's, right, that's, right that's all I got. It's that's a great movie. That's all you need. Uh, next up, we have Kate Blanchett. I chose 2015's Truth, uh, which is a movie directed by James Vanderbilt. It's based on a true story. Blanchett plays uh, Mary Mapes, who was a 60 Minutes producer for CBS, producing a story on the service record of George W. Bush and ultimately releases a story that is unsort of provable as her sources recant testimony and things like that. And she kind of gets wrapped up in a whole shitstorm because of it. Robert Redford plays Dan Rather. But um, watching it now, there are certain parts of it that I think ring as more interesting just in the context of journalism and the landscape of politics that we live in now, which I think maybe Vanderbilt was kind of scratching at the surface with in 2015. That's interesting. It gets a little cloying and cringy at certain parts, I think. If people walking and talking in hallways is your thing as a genre, I think you might you know do well to give this movie a shot all right that i i will i actually haven't seen that one so that is a enough of a recommendation for me for sure all right anne hathaway love and other drugs is the movie it's her and jake gyllenhaal this is a very mechacore pick they shot it in pittsburgh shout out to pittsburgh um I believe it's also set in the Pennsylvania area. Um, It's just a rom-com, right? It's a sexy rom-com directed by Edward Zawick, kind of like a spiritual follow-up to his About Last Night, his film About Last Night from the 80s. I certainly got mixed reviews when it came out. Those the people who don't like it are wrong. They're just you know, it's a good movie. It's a tearjerker. I think they have a lot of chemistry, Jake and Anne. Um, I think Anne's really Singing to the rafters, and I love I love when Ann does it. Um, Oliver Platt gives a great supporting turn. Um, yeah, that I don't even want to say much more. I think if you know me, if you know this podcast, you know what I like. You're gonna like that movie, and that's yeah. All if say. you like Mechacore and you know what yeah. that means, you'll like this movie for sure. Yeah. Agreed. Yep. 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 Um, okay, so next up we have Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I chose a movie. She has a supporting role in it. Uh, It's a movie called Queen's Logic. 
Uh, it's from 1991. It's in the vein of the Big Chill or Diner or it's a it's a coming of age ensemble reunion comedy. A bunch of friends are reuniting for a friend's wedding. This friend may or may not want to get married. Meanwhile, one of his buddies, played by Joe Mantegna, his marriage to Linda Fiorentino is kind Ooh. of like on the rocks. There's a Kevin Bacon who comes back from California and Jamie Lee Curtis shows up as a upper crust Manhattanite who winds up being seduced by Mantegna while he's on the rocks with Fiorentino. She's like into the idea of like hooking up with somebody who's like lower than she is and like fixing their life, their life basically. But she does so in a like insane, very dry, very funny way. It's got some stuff that works and some stuff that doesn't. But I do think Jamie Lee Curtis is great in it. Uh, that's Queen's Logic, directed by Steve Rash. Oh, there you go. All right. It's number nine, Winona Ryder. This is The Ten, uh, which is a David Wayne <laughs> picture. And so The Ten is just, it's an anthology comedy, and it doesn't all work, but when it works, boy, does it work. And so I would just say, like, um, watch it for that, because, like, you know, it's when it's funny, it's funny as hell. And, and, and you, you know, know the, Dave, the if you know sequence, David Wayne, it's very no, just if you know David Wayne, yeah. it's very much in that vein. I'll give you your uh, 10 <laughs> seconds back. Go. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's 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 the Winona sequence is good. There's a great sequence with Ken Marino and Rob Corddry as a goof uh, bit, which you might know just from, um, you know, Twitter or whatever. Um, so it's worth it. That's all. The 10, seek it out. Um, it's worth it. Is that the one where she, she, her specific thing is she falls for a ventriloquist dummy? That's it. Yeah, that's great. Um, <laughs> all right. So next up, we have Richard Gere. Uh, when we did his episode, you did it with your lovely mother, Julie. I did. Uh, we covered his entire I'm filmography. Out. So I just chose to kind of pick one out that I like. I chose First Night. Ooh, it's yeah. a Camelot story, basically. It's sort of an amalgam of a few different things from your general Car Camelot narrative. But it's essentially like you know, the mo the thing I could equate it to genre-wise. It's like a superhero origin story, but for Lancelot. Like, that's kind of... That's kind yeah, like of before before that was in vogue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so Gear plays Lancelot. Uh, Julia Armand plays uh, Guinevere. Connery plays Arthur. It's like it doesn't all necessarily really work or hang together, but like aesthetically, I like it. So it's almost like a uh, it's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves meets Officer and a Gentleman or something like that. It's like, definitely <laughs> it's definitely uh, feeding off the Prince of Thieves. Success. Sure. Yeah. You know, if you like that one, you know, that's a good comp for sure. So, okay. Number 11, uh, family favorite, Josh Hartnett. And when I say family favorite, I mean me, um, <laughs> you know, he has a lot of B sides too. I did his whole filmography kind of, but one that has come out since that episode actually is a movie called inherit the Viper, which is basically like a drug thriller. Um, he is very good in it. It's um, a very short, punchy movie directed by a guy named Anthony Jurgen, written by Andrew Crabtree and also uh, starring Margarita Laviva, Chandler Riggs and Bruce Dern. Um, it's just a good kind of snappy, you know, guy trying to get out of his uh, opioid family business. Right. And like. It, it it doesn't go well, right? So it's very much that type of like family drama, noir adjacent thriller. Um, and so I would just say um, it's a strong recommend though. I like the film a lot. So check it out. Uh, okay. So next up, 
we have uh, for Charlize Theron, I picked an HBO movie she did. She has a supporting role in uh, starring Jeffrey Rush called The Life and Death of Peter Sellers, where Jeffrey Rush plays Peter Sellers. It's it's an okay movie. It's it does this structural play on Peter Sellers dressing up as people from his own life um, and sort of reenacting some parts of the way he wishes things would have gone, um, which I think is kind of interesting. It certainly is not kind to Sellers, which I also think is good and interesting. Um, uh, Shirley Theron shows up as Britt Eklund, who is a famous model slash actress. Um, and was briefly married, relatively briefly married to Sellers in a kind of whirlwind uh, uh, marriage. There's just a level of like that cold humor that she can kind of really deliver really well. Um, and yeah, she's she's great. She she doesn't get uh, a great many scenes, but she makes what she has count. Yeah, that is an interesting recommendation. Um, all right. So the next one, kind of a cheat, but like we said, we're going to be doing this. So Denzel Washington, I'm going to recommend really primarily his first two directed films, right? So those are... If you had to pick one. Great Debaters. Okay. Of the two. Sure. Um, I like Great Debaters a bit, a little bit more. Um, But I like them both. Antoine Fisher and The Great Debaters, they're both based on a true story films. Um, The Great Debaters, it's... it's, Denzel and also um, Force Whitaker and Kimberly Elise is in that film. Um, Journey Smollett's actually in it as well. And that's based on the Wiley College, Texas debate team who went on to challenge Harvard. Right. So that's right. that that's just a good sports movie um, framework. And I think it's definitely worth um, watching and by by great debaters. Denzel is learning his way around the camera a little bit more, but they're both good. And obviously Fences, I think, is amazing. So, yeah, check them out. So after we did Denzel, we did uh, someone someone named Brad Pitt, I think. Oh, uh, Bradley Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Will, William Bradley Pitt, I think, okay. is his name. Yeah, I'm not sure who he is. I chose uh, the Robert Zemeckis picture, Allied. Um, it's a really solid, just old school style World War II thriller. It's essentially about a... Canadian RAF spy who is working with this woman in French Morocco. They wind up getting out kind of by the skin of their teeth and ultimately getting married. And it becomes this thing of whether or not they got out because she may or may not be a Nazi spy. Uh, It's got enough of that Zemeckis schmaltz and sheen on it, if that's your thing, you know, like there's an earnest emotionality to it uh, in, in specifically its later moments. It's big. It's sweeping. Uh, he and Marion Cotillard have great chemistry. So Allied, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's in many places. You could check it out. And if you like Robert Zemeckis, uh, it's very much uh, his jam. So check it out. Yeah, I love Allied. Love, love Allied. And so our next guy is um, Kevin Costner. This is a film he produced coming off of the success of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So that same director, Kevin Reynolds, wrote and directed Rapa Nui. It's like a historical fictionalization of what went on on Easter Island. It's a little island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean in which there are these like famous large heads that populate the island. And like the mystery of Easter Island is like, who put the heads there? Were they made? How are they constructed? And so this movie is basically about like egg race that happened as part of this cult the historical accuracy when it came out 
got a lot of criticism, which is fine. Jason Scott Lee, is Isai Morales is in it. It's just, a, I think it's a good, solid adventure movie, right? And the only thing I could think of in a similar vein would be kind of Apocalypto, right? But like, but it's like a similar type of visceral, historically inaccurate <laughs> action filmmaking. Um, and I think I like put Kevin that, Reynolds. Put that on the poster. <laughs> visceral. <laughs> historically historically inaccurate. inaccurate. I, like, I like Kevin Reynolds as a filmmaker. I Agreed. think he's like incredibly underrated. Um, so oh, that's a yet another reason to, to watch it. So anyway. Uh, so next up, uh, we had Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it is 2015's Maggie, uh, directed by Henry Hobson. It's a uh, it's a zombie film about a father who tracks down his daughter after she's gone away for a while. He tracks her down and she's essentially been infected with this virus that's infecting the world. Can you imagine? What and would that be like? I actually Weird. more so than a contagion movie. I what it what I would equate it to the most is like a cancer movie because that's kind of the emotional dynamic. Interesting. Abigail yeah. Breslin, who plays Schwarzenegger's daughter, you know, she's slowly dying. And the quiet thing nobody's talking about is that there's like nothing anybody can do about it it's really like a quiet drama starring arnold schwarzenegger e even if your mileage may vary on like zombie movies or genre movies or whatever it's only 90 minutes and if you just want to see but what i would argue is probably schwarzenegger one of his best performances if not his best performance uh check it out that is maggie Nice. So this one I'll, I'll keep quick because it's not that strong of a recommendation, but Julia Stiles is the subject and the movie is closed circuit. It's pretty down the middle. It's like a terrorist bombing and then these kind of two investigators in their own right, Rebecca Hall and Eric Bonnet, who used to be who used to like have an affair together, are kind of forced to reteam to find out who did this. But it's one of those movies where it's like does it come from the top and then like very early on mm. it's like yeah that's the problem <laughs> julie styles is only in a couple of scenes but she's a very provocative character because she's like an outsider american who's like on the beat <laughs> in england and then she's not in a lot of the movie and it's one of those annoying kind of things where like you know styles is a very good actress and not that rebecca hall and eric bonna aren't but you're kind of like let me watch her movie a watching bit. Yeah. yeah i was yeah. a little when she showed up i was like oh yeah. hell yeah sure. and then i'm like oh hell no so <laughs> um a soft wreck but um for julia um, a wreck nonetheless so moving on uh so next we had colin farrell which is my next pick and i chose miss julie directed by liv ullman who if you're a cinephile you would know as just an incredible actress uh, yeah, she legend, was the yeah. partner of 15 or so years of ingmar bergman it's based on a play that I believe is from like 1899 about a whirlwind sexual slash romantic encounter between the daughter of an aristocrat, Jessica Chastain, and her father's valet, Colin Farrell. Alongside them is the wonderful Samantha Morton. I must say, just an, a oh, performer. She's the best who, performance in the She's movie, yeah. very good. And, you know, Farrell and Chastain are kind of going to 11. It's all sort of over the course of a brief period of time. You know, a lot of the gamut of human emotions gets covered. And I think it, I would rather watch them do this on stage, if I'm being honest, than do it sure. in, in a yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a bit much, but well, well performed nonetheless. So that is Miss Julie from 2014. Nice. All right. So then next we have um, the one and only Ryan Gosling. So this is another one, right? I'm going to recommend the movie he directed. I, but here's the thing. <laughs> don't, I hate want, this movie. don't watch it. <laughs> 
Okay. I hate it. I just want to be very clear. If if Love and Other Drugs is like the exact movie, you'd be like, oh, of course, Dan would recommend that. Lost River is like the exact opposite. It's just, it's Ryan taking his cachet, making this incredibly weird, incredibly violent, nasty, phantasmagorical, like nightmare film. And I love weird and I love off kilter and I love abstract. But when you get into the violence and the disturbing, I really, I have trouble. So that's, that's what turns me off of Lost River. But I think a lot of people would really be into it. So I'm recommending it. To the world, acknowledging <laughs> that I myself will never watch it again. So that's my recommendation. <laughs> and what a and what a recommendation it is. I mean, you know, you Thanks, get it. Dan. You get it. Thanks, Dan. You get why it can't be you, troll boy. <laughs> um, okay, next up is uh, Humphrey Bogart, and it's a movie. This is actually a movie that I've I, never. By the way, I've never even heard of this movie. Uh, the oh. movie is a 1950 film called Chain Lightning. Um, it's like an aviation drama. I don't know if, if we've established what Connor core is, but like this movie kind of is it. It's like two aviators vying for the heart of this one woman, but they're also in the midst of designing this like newly minted aircraft. And Bogart is one of the test pilots. Richard Worf is his foil but he's also one of the designers of the aircraft Ooh. so there are these whole sequences where they have to test the aircraft and i earnestly was like tense just for 1950 it's like very well put together so i will say if you're someone who digs like the right stuff and first man and all that shit but you want to see kind of a cool proto 1950s version of it starring humphrey bogart chain lightning is your go-to very cool. All right. Number 21, Robert D. Jr. The movie is Soap Dish, and it is great. Um, it is. Uh, okay. And moving on. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't need to say much more. It's an uh, all-star cast, Sally Field, Kevin Klein, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Kathy Moriarty, Whoopi Goldberg, young Elizabeth Shue. It was a modest hit directed by the underrated Michael Hoffman. Uh, I, it, they're on a soap show, and there's drama behind the scenes. It's amazing. It's like Watch broadcast it. news, but with a soap There's opera. some problematic stuff in it with like, I, if I want, I, I believe with like trans stuff, if mm. I'm remembering. So that's a pill you got to swallow. Um, a 1992 size pill. But uh, in the aggregate at a macro level, it is a very, very, very funny movie. So uh, a big recommend on that one. Soap dish. Uh, so our next Avenger uh, is Chris... Evans and I picked Danny Boyle's Sunshine, which yeah, I agree, masterpiece. People have a hard time with the third act, which yeah, I speaking of the third I, act thing, I, yeah. I understand. I don't really agree with. I know that Nor Alec, do I. I know that Alex Garland and Danny Boyle uh had kind of issues over the third act. Garland wrote wrote the script Indeed, and he yeah, vocally yeah, yeah. vocally doesn't like the end of the movie. Yeah. I would call it a B-side because it's I mean in the grand context of the dude who played Captain America, like what is this comparatively little sci-fi masterpiece? This is a very good performance because he plays a straight up asshole, but like mm -hmm. an asshole who's right all the time. Like who is correct. And he has the best name and, in the movie. And yeah, his name is Mace. 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 That's a space name. If ever there was one, it's a really solid movie. If for some reason you haven't seen it. And if you dig what I call space station sci-fi, you know, so like 2001 or those kinds of movies, uh, this is definitely a great one. And Evans is a highlight. So 
Scarlett Johansson, our next Avenger, uh, made a movie called In Good Company in the early aughts. It was Synergy. her and Topher Grace and Dennis Quaid. It was kind of part of the Dennis Quaid assance, if you remember that, when it was like coming off of The Rookie. Mm-hmm. He was like in movies again in a bigger way. And um, Paul White's directed this. He wrote it. His brother Chris uh, produced it as well. Dennis Quaid is ScarJo's father. Topher Grace is her maybe suitor. It's a rom-com. It overperformed at the box office. It's an underrated movie. Check it out. Synergy. What Synergy. I, I would call that movie Cameron Crowe like. Very much so. Yeah. I think it's very much in that vein. Um, and it did make me think like uh, he would be a great Cameron Crowe leading man, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's got that. I mean, I feel like the movies have kind of passed by that leading man a little. Sure. But I mean, Good Company is worth a watch for sure. So. Uh, so next up, uh, we have Jeremy Renner. And so for him, I chose what I believe is the first of a couple appearances by Balthazar Cormacur. Hell yeah. It has Julia Stiles in it. She's very good. So there's that. We'll make up for closed circuit a little bit, I guess. Um, <laughs> it's it's called A Little Trip to Heaven. It's a kind of neo-noir about this serial insurance fraudster uh, played by Jeremy Renner. And he kind of gets into deep with his latest scam because it involves somebody winding up dead. And Julia Stiles is sort of an becomes an accessory after the fact and is trying to kind of protect their son from sort of the the fallout of all this. Meanwhile, it's being investigated by Forrest Whitaker. He and Styles have a nice, interesting chemistry, and Renner excels at playing a piece of shit. Like it's it, he's like a really scuzzy <laughs> dude in this. It's a tight eighty six minutes. There you go. And Cormacur certainly has a command of genre, and this is yeah. this is an example of that. All right. Next up is Mark Ruffalo. He's in a movie called XXXY, directed by Austin Chick who also wrote and directed a movie I love called August, starring Josh Hartnett. This Mm -hmm. movie, XXXY, came before August. It's early Ruffalo, right after You Can Count on Me. It's basically this animator meets these two college uh, students, uh, females, and they kind of start this awkward three-way relationship that goes kind of haywire, and then they separate, and then they get reconnected. Um this I saw this movie at the right time in my life. Um, sure, many 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 years ago. You know, I'm not saying it's like some masterpiece, but it's one of those formative films for me. So I would be a liar if I did not recommend it. So that's XXXY, um, and um, yeah, kind of hard to find. So if you can check it out, um, and August is is even better. So yeah, definitely check August out. We talked about that when you talked about. Josh Hartnett yeah uh, and that movie rules it's got a great one scene performance by the late amazing David Bowie um yes, it does. so next up our final Avenger Chris Hemsworth we covered in the heart of the sea so I don't know if this is that movie's a side or it's just the flip no, side def- I mean, it's just the flip side of the b side the coin. Of something yeah uh but anyway it is also 2013 it is 2013's rush um which is basically about the rivalry in the 70s between Nikki Lauda and James Hunt in Formula One racing. Um, ultimately, that leads to Lauda. This isn't really a spoiler. It's real life. Lauda gets in this like 
horrific accident and winds up kind of working his way back into the Formula One circuit, all within the same championship season. I do think Ron Howard does a great job here of like mining a real story for tension, which isn't always easy to do, especially if you're using the sports uh, movie formula. Hemsworth is great in it. I still think it's probably one of his best performances. If dudes being good at their jobs is a thing for you, uh, then Rush is certainly for you. So this next one is nobody being good at any job. And (laughs) it was this movie, Black Snake Moan, was written and directed by Craig Brewer, but produced by subject uh, the late, great John Singleton, which is why I chose it. Um, Kind of a crazy movie. Sam Jackson, Christina Ricci, Justin Timberlake. Um, Kind of like a post-modern exploitation movie is how I kind of put it. And that's that's a really spot-on description. I guess. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Sam Jackson's a religious fanatic who ends up kind of kidnapping... Christina Ricci, who's kind of sex crazed, but it's more complicated than that. And Justin Timberlake's kind of her betrothed, who's a soldier. Shit gets wild. Black Snake Moan. Black, black, black Snake Moan. Black Snake Moan. Um, Great title. So it is an amazing title. Uh, so next up, uh, we have Meg Ryan. So I chose her directorial debut, uh, a 2015 movie called Ithaca, a coming-of-age movie set uh, in World War II, basically. Uh, and it follows this young boy named Homer. Get it? <laughs> and he essentially is a he becomes a messenger around Ithaca and is sort of feeling through all of it and growing up. I will say, I mean, I, I, I love Meg Ryan. It's not a particularly good movie. I think there's just a level of like stiffness to the whole thing. And allegedly Meg Ryan like fell in love with the book when she was coping with her divorce from Dennis Quaid. If, if sort of wholesome period piece coming of age movies are your thing, there might be something you can glean from it. Uh, it's nice to see her on screen. I'll say that, even if she had to put herself there. But yeah, overall, it do- didn't really come together for me. But that is Ithaca. All right. Next is Warren Beatty. Um, this is a big cheat, but I'm recommending. It's the Dick Tracy TV special. It's the Dick Tracy special TV special. I um, This is partly because I did every movie he ever made with the mixed reviews boys recently. So it felt like. You know, I you could you should just listen to that episode if you want to hear about like everything Warren Beatty ever made. Sure. So I'm cheating here and I'm saying Down to Earth, which <laughs> is a soft uh, adjacent remake of of Beatty's hit movie Heaven Can Wait, which itself is obviously a is remake he of actually Here Comes did, did Mr. He, he didn't have any active role no, in the movie, did he? Not at all. Other than not, what maybe a credit and adapted oh, maybe like, like a, a credit story for writing credit it or, or something. Yeah, yeah, but it's a Chris yeah. Rock vehicle from the early 2000s. Kind of another movie that's formative only <laughs> you're, in you're that. You're such a cheater. This is insane. <laughs> I mean, other Warren Beatty movies, you know, like Mickey One, you should check out. <laughs> there right? you go. Like, there you go. That will count that. But one. anyway, <laughs> Down to Earth, Chris Rock. What's happened with him recently? I, who knows? Anyway, I don't know. But this episode really slaps. Um, they know. So there he goes. Um, moving on, for Tom Hanks, I chose Greyhound, a, a perfect dad movie, if ever there was one, about a U.S. battleship that is sort of part of a an allied convoy to get 
supplies across the Atlantic. And this convoy of supplies keeps getting attacked by German U-boats. And it's just kind of this ongoing you know, days in, days out, uh, struggle for this one both. Hanks wrote the screenplay. It was directed by Aaron Schneider. There's definitely some cool shit in terms of like the analog nature of it all in terms of how they figure things out and how they calculate things. Um, if you're someone who is fascinated by that kind of stuff, it's actually not dissimilar from something like Chain Lightning. So if you haven't seen either of them, you, you could kind of maybe pair them together. But uh, right. yeah, Greyhound, check it out. All right. So next is Tim Allen, as we said. Uh, the look, the close, honestly, closest thing I could come to recommendation was the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> All right, it's his remake of the Disney film from the fifties. That um, he gets bitten by a magical dog. He starts turning into a dog. As you do, um, as you do. Yeah, it's fine. You know what well, I mean? It's but like, does he just does he turn into any dog? This dog, Shaggy. Okay, there you go. It's a Shaggy dog. So um, that's something. The most interesting thing about the film is. Robert Downey Jr. is the villain. And this is oh, like 06, right. right before A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, right. right before Iron Man. This is funny because this movie did well enough. And it's just, yeah, Tim Allen kind of, this is the end of kind of the, the movie star run for him, really. Um, sure. It's not, a, I mean, look, it's not a strong recommendation. <laughs> um, look, we we are we already covered Red Belt, so we peaked there. You know, it's yeah, not, we peaked what, what are we going right. to do? What are we, we going to do after that? We, we got to pick up we're the pace. We're going to pick up so the pace. We're picking up. Okay, doing so it now. Yeah. next up, we have Jake Gyllenhaal. It's our other belt. This is our Cormacher joint, Everest. Uh, Gyllenhaal has a supporting role in it. It's an ensemble movie. It's based on a true story. It's known generally as the 1996 Mount Everest disaster. That alone should kind of tell you all you need to know about the movie. Um, I will say Hall himself is, is very good in it. He has a tendency when he gives a mannered performance to kind of sometimes go too far with it in a way that feels grating. Here, it's like he's enough of kind of a kooky, hippie climber to like register as Jake Gyllenhaal giving a performance, but he still feels like a real human and a lot of interesting character actors in here. I would, I, you know, it's a recommend it. I think it's a little long in the tooth, but um, overall kind of worth it. I, the movie I would soonest equate it to is a movie like the perfect storm. It's interesting. Cause I do think Balthazar Cormacur, he's kind of taken on the mantle of someone like Wolfgang Peterson, RIP. And he's kind of populated his filmography with that. But, uh, anyway, that's Everest. Uh, it is also streaming. So you can check that out. Um, all right, next up Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm just going to recommend his environmental docs. I think they're at, at least worth kind of considering watching, right? You got, the 11th hour early on, probably his worst of them, but um, kind of the beginning of his advocacy for it. Virunga from a few years back, I believe that was Netflix. Before the Flood, I believe that was CNN. Uh, probably his best, directed by Fisher Stevens. He also produced, um, you know, like Cowspiracy. Um, the Ivory Game is an interesting movie about the kind of illegal ivory trade. So he's made this kind of separate career um, as part of his production company to support and produce a lot of environmental docs uh, before the flood. He had a lot to do with he's in it, obviously, and he's traveling the world and kind of it's a reference to a Hieronymus Bosch painting worth watching at least a couple of those. So uh, after we did Lero, we did one Pierce Brosnan. Um, so I selected someone that's it's definitely a B side, but probably maybe a little bit more of an on an, uh, an obvious one. Rewatch is so good, but yeah. it is 
John Borman's The Tailor of Panama, uh, based on a screenplay and novel by Jean Le Carré about what if like James Bond actually got his comeuppance kind of for like being a bad spy. Um, so Pierce Brosnan plays an MI6 spy who gets reassigned to uh, Panama. He sort of strikes up a quote unquote friendship for the sake of information uh, with Jeffrey Rush, who is the titular tailor of Panama. And his wife is also working for one of the higher ups in the Panamanian government. Brosnan kind of works Rush for information and Rush starts to feed him what may or may not be bogus while he kind of tries to potentially manipulate some other things on the side. It's sort of a cat and mouse-y type thing. It's great. You should check it out. Yeah, funny movie. Uh, okay, Gerard Butler is next. And shout out to Richie Filippi, who for, loves Gerard for, Butler. For making it happen. <laughs> future, future guest. Yeah, for making it happen a long time ago. All right, the recommendation is the more recent Cop Shop, directed by Joe Carnahan. Um, it's, like a, it's like a chamber action movie. Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, and the star of the movie, the really great uh, Alexis Lauder, is the, the yeah, star of the show. She's so good. And you basically, she's the cop. You have two criminals of varying degrees in Frank Grillo, Grillo and Gerard Butler. And then this like psychopath trying to kill them all. And Alexis Lauder is like the only gun, you know, between them and the psychopath. And very Western, right? Very yeah. kind of, um, I always get it confused. Is it Red River? Rio and, Bravo. Um, Rio Bravo. Yeah, Rio Sorry. Bravo. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's very real Bravo-y and um, Alexis Lauder, once again, great. But Gerard Butler doing good work as 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 ever. Um, I'll just say just out pretty solid Jerry B B side last seen alive. If you like breakdown. Mm. Oh, not OK, bad. sure. Yeah. Breakdowns. Great. Anyway, I'll those check are two. Out. Yeah, he I know. I'll just quick shout out to Greenland. Uh, oh, yeah, Greenland. Another so, good one. Sol yeah. Solid picture. Good for Jerry B. Just give it. Delivering the solid 3.5 out of fives, you know, like, and, and yeah, bless them for it. Kind of taking the mantle of like, all right, they're not going to put them out in theaters, but I'm going to still make the middle of the road action dramas. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Good for him. Uh, so next up we have uh, Jennifer Lopez and I chose uh, the Bob Rafelson RIP Bob Rafelson picture blood and wine. Uh, which she is kind of like the third lead in. Um, it's Jack Nicholson. It's Steven Dorff. And you know what the remarkable thing is? They're father and son, but they're father and stepson. And it just feels weird to me that you have Jack Nicholson and Steven Dorff in a movie and they're not blood related because Steven Dorff looks exactly like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. And it's like <laughs> all you need is Christian Slater to like pop in. Yeah, and then as, it's like, as like a done. cousin. Yeah. Something like that. So it's just kind of a sweaty, fun, neo-noir. Jack Nicholson is this wine seller who teams up with a really fun, smarmy Michael Caine to steal steal a diamond necklace from these rich people's homes and the uh, nanny there is Jennifer Lopez and she is sort of seeing Jack Nicholson on the side and Stephen Dorff winds up finding out and sort of inadvertently uh, blood gets spilled and uh, everything goes haywire as they all kind of try and get their hands on this necklace and then get it out of their hands before it's too late kind of thing. So it, it's a lot of fun. All right. All right. Angela Bassett, The Score, directed by Frank Oz. It's a heist movie. We got Bobby De Niro, Eddie Norton, Marlon Brando. I believe his final 
live action role. Um, Angela Bassett is dating Robert De Niro in the picture. Very supporting role, but she's very good in it. This movie, I think, has officially become underrated. I think it's actually a yeah. good kind of, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, tight thriller. Some of the twists are a little silly, um, but it's worth a watch. And Brando is good in it, even yeah, though he yeah. called Frank Oz, Miss Piggy on set and all this stuff you hear about. Like De Niro does get a lot out of him for as late in the day as it was for Brando. So Indeed. I think it's it, actually it's kind really of a, worth minor, watching. a minor miracle a little bit. Actually, it, it yeah. kind of is the further away yeah. we get from it, the more you're kind of like, you know, that actually like, is a good movie. Yeah, so no, the no, score. No. T- totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, so next up we have oh Sylvester, Sylvester right. Stallone. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to probably breeze right through this one. So Sylvester Stallone, you may or may not know this, but he directed a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. That is yes, 1983's Staying Alive. <laughs> it basically follows the John Travolta character. Yeah, Tony, uh, Tony Manero's Manero. on Broadway. Yeah. He's on Broadway. He's trying to make a career out of it. He's a huge piece of shit to his girlfriend. He winds up taking up with the actress who's like going to be the lead in this musical. He's a member of the company. Uh and he winds up having an affair with her, but wants something more. And she doesn't. And then he kind of, as I guess, revenge, like tries to basically sneaks in to take the lead role in the play, in the musical. And like, it just turns into this whole thing. I'm not even convinced at the time that Sylvester Stallone has seen a Broadway musical, like in terms of just the way it plays out on stage in the movie. Uh, it's just not good. It's, it's, it's a reckon that it's needs to be seen to be believed. Right? Yes, indeed. Anyway. All right. This next one, um, Will Smith, Will Smith's production company produced this, right? Which back then was Overbrook. And I know now I think it's a named something different. But anyway, this is Neil Labute's Lakeview Terrace, another Sam Jackson movie. Patrick Wilson and Kerry Washington are a couple in Chicago. And there's this cop, Sam Jackson, who becomes kind of unduly interested in them. It's a little bit like unlawful entry sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. with racial politics, right? Because Kerry Washington's black, Patrick Wilson's white. If you know Neil LeBute, it's certainly provocative. So I think you could probably go either way and kind of how you think it handles the material. But like Sam Jackson is just such a treasure. So, you know, and here's the other thing with Will Smith. A criticism of him is that he rarely challenges himself I could, I mean, imagine Will Smith playing the role. Oh God, it would rip. Terrace, it right? would rip. So that's It'd kind of so where good. I, you yeah. know, it's interesting that his company produced it, and I imagine at a certain point maybe he was considering taking the role. Um, but Sam Jackson's great, so definitely uh, oh, check it God, out. God, that would have been. I never even thought of that. That would have been amazing. So, that's kind of what I only think about when I remember that movie. <laughs> but anyway, well, next up uh, we have John Carpenter. Um, and we covered kind of all the movies I would consider to be his B-sides when we did that episode. So I chose something that he wrote. He's got a story credit and screenplay credit on it. Uh, it's a movie called Black Moon Rising. It was directed by a man named Harley Coakless. Um like I said, screenplay by Carpenter. It stars Tommy Lee Jones and Linda Hamilton. It basically, Tommy Lee Jones is a thief slash fixer who steals a data tape and winds up hiding it in the back of an experimental car that goes like crazy fast called the Black Moon. And he winds up then having to go to an expo where Black Moon is being featured to get the tape back. 
Uh, but ultimately, he runs into Linda Hamilton, who is a car thief who's trying to steal the Black Moon. It's fun. It's certainly got like a fun sheen of, of you know, 1986 schlock to it. So if that is your thing, I think you'd like it. If you're someone who maybe has like burned through all of Carpenter's movies and you're looking for something to scratch that itch, I think this is definitely in that same vein and it's totally worth it. All right. Um, and before I, next up, Leafy Terrace, not set in Chicago, set in LA. I don't know why I thought it was in Chicago. Anyway. All right. Matt Damon is next. Um, and I'm going to go early with him. Pretty insane performance. Um, the movie's courage under fire. Another Edward Zwick movie, actually, who did love and other drugs. It's a Rashomon style, um, military thriller meg ryan is the star alongside denzel washington this she died in battle and the um they want to award her the medal of honor and denzel washington's the troubled officer in charge of investigating these different storylines about what actually happened during the firefight right and so you have like lou diamond phillips remembering one thing matt damon remembering another these are her soldiers that were under her command and um matt damon plays this drug addicted vet and he kind of quite famously lost like 40 pounds to play the role and uh got really 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 near fatally ill and was told by his doctors that he could never lose that type of weight again for a role and then christian bale came along and was like well watch, watch this <laughs> uh but courage and afar i think it's you know not the greatest movie ever made but i think certainly worth it for that young performance and also just like a movie star movie right like sure, a movie sure. from the 90s right. that they don't make anymore so worth agreed watching. agreed uh so next up we have uh, someone i've never heard of robert de niro but, yeah, um, me neither. He, he was in a picture in 1992 directed by Erwin Winkler called Night in the City, which is a remake of a very great Jules Dassin movie yes. starring Richard Widmark. It involves this guy named Harry Fabian, who in this is kind of an ambulance chasing attorney, and he kind of turns into a boxing promoter. He teams up with Jack Warden, who is like this veteran boxer. He's having an affair with Jessica Lang, who is the wife of a bar owner who helps stake his his boxing promotion of this fighter. And it all sort of goes haywire. I will say it's not as good as the original. It's not particularly bad. It's a it's a fine movie. De Niro is great and he's just kind of a loser. And those are sort of always my maybe my more favorite De Niro performances. But he and Lang have really good chemistry. So uh, I think it's worth checking out. Next up is Pacino. And um, Al Pacino starred in a movie that came out in the early aughts, uh, basically 2003, 2004, directed by Daniel Algrant. Um written by John Robin Bates. It's called People I Know, a movie I saw a long time ago, and I always kind of liked. He, Pacino plays this publicist who's basically like, it's kind of like, if you liked Uncut Gems, it's that type of movie. It's basically like he's a publicist who's at the end of his rope, and he's like, there's this benefit. He's a part of Ryan O'Neill, plays his like skeezy client. Um, Tay Leone plays um, a woman that that is involved with O'Neill that that Pacino has to kind of get out of the picture. There's like it's one of those movies. There's like a lot of different strings he's trying to hold up at the same time and it's falling apart and he's like too old for this shit. Um it's good. People I know. Uh so next up we have the Adam Sandler joint 
the week of I basically wanted to do one of his Netflix movies and I tried to find the one that maybe didn't seem like the worst. Uh, and I, that's kind of how I would classify this. It's not particularly, yeah. it's not particularly amazing, but it's certainly like I laughed in parts, you know, Rachel and Dratch that, is yeah, great. In it. Very, she's very funny. It basically Sandler and Rachel Dratch's daughter is getting married to Chris Rock's son. Chris Rock is a very well-off doctor. So there's some insecurity there where basically Sandler tries to put the whole wedding on himself and everything fails one after another. There's some bits that, that work as just basic comedy bits. And then others that don't as like broader Adam Sandler, happy Madison style bits. But, um, I would say if generally you find his movies to be harmless, this is certainly, especially of those Netflix movies, this is certainly the least. And again, like I said, some some pretty funny bits to be found. And Sandler's actually pretty good in it, too, because he's not he's not really being sticky or anything like that. He's just kind of giving like a bumbling dad performance, which is actually kind of funny. All right. Next up is Carrie Fisher. We covered a lot of her movies um, with Courtney and Lowe. And I'm just going to name a few movies she ghost wrote because that was a big part of her the back half of her career. She did um, a pretty famous script doctor uh, pass on Hook, Steven Spielberg's Hook. She did a essential pass on the Whoopi Goldberg movie Sister Act. She did allegedly some work on Last Action Hero, So I Married an Axe Murderer, Made in America, another Whoopi movie. And even apparently by her own admission, she did a little bit of work on the episodes one through three. Oh, really? She noted both episodes one and two as being part of her doctored screenplay in the lineup. Yeah. I guess take all this with a little bit of a grain of salt, but like Kylie Ugly's another one. She, I think, was credited for These Old Broads, which I definitely right, recommend right. people yeah. watching. Finally, she she referenced in an interview that she did a pass on intolerable cruelty, which I wonder if that's oh, true. God, anyway, what a talent. What a talent what a she talent. was. R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Indeed. Moving on. We got we're back to Jack, Jack Nicholson. And I chose a film called The Missouri Breaks, co-starring Jack Nicholson and Marlon Brando. Jack Nicholson plays an outlaw who's into just sort of stealing all manner of things, including horses and money and whatever. There's a really hilarious train robbery. And Jack Nicholson just kind of tries to sort of quietly make a life for himself while he's laying low and he sparks up this affair with Kathleen Lloyd, who's a local. Meanwhile, uh, because of all the criminal activity in the area, Marlon Brando comes in and he's sort of hot on the trail of Jack Nicholson. They come into contact a few times here and there. They get a couple, you know, they get a couple nice tit for tat scenes. Um, they have a pretty good chemistry, but I think Nicholson is so good here. It's sort of a a tender but rough around the edges performance, which I think are sort of usually that's usually his best mode, in my opinion. Um, it was directed by Arthur Penn. It's awesome. The Missouri Breaks. All right. Next up, Hugh Grant made a little scene rom-com starring him and Marissa Tomei. The rewrite written and directed by Mark Lawrence, who he made a lot of rom-coms with, um, including stuff like music and lyrics and two weeks notice, which are kind of more widely seen. This one, I think, is almost as good as those. It's really charming. It's set in Binghamton University, which has a special place in my heart. My sister went there. Um, Mark Lawrence went to Binghamton, so he that's like him coming back to his alma mater um, to make it. Hugh Grant plays a screenwriter who's kind of down on his luck, and he takes a teaching gig at Binghamton and meets Marissa Toe May, and they have a romance. Allison Janney's also in it, and he, she's very funny as is Chris Elliott, as is J.K. Simmons. Very good. 
Uh, so next up we have Jim Carrey. It was kind of a it was kind of a hard one to find a wreck that that we didn't already call out, and and in frankly that would also not be an A side because there are other movies of his that I would recommend. But um, so I just decided to pick the Dumb and Dumber sequel because I do frankly think it's fascinating that they made many years on sequel to that movie and just nobody cared. And it's it's given the first one is I such will a kind say, of cultural yeah. landmark. There are jokes in this movie that that certainly work, and I did laugh at. I'm not gonna lie, but like it was it was it was tough for me. A, a bit, I think I would call B side actually that I think is actually pretty funny is Yes Man. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Maybe you know, that, maybe Reed. that's a better one. Yeah. You know, just in terms of like actually kind of recommending something like, um, but yeah, Dumb and Number Two, uh, as a as as a as a a marking of the time, certainly worth recommending. I will yeah. I will say Kathleen Turner shows up in and all of her scenes are great. She's very funny. Uh, yes. in, in all of her scenes, so um, I'll, I'll give it that. Similarly, in this next one, we'll be I'll be brief. Kirsten Ford, obviously, we covered a lot of him. He still has a lot of B-sides. We could we could definitely do a part two of him. Um, K-19, The Widowmaker is the one I chose. Catherine Bigelow's kind of epic, 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 epic flop, right? That I do think is way better than people remember. Obviously, people remember the Russian accent by Ford. But what you're kind of forgetting is like, there's a lot of interesting political things. The story itself is interesting. Liam Neeson's very good as the second in command. Yeah, I think it's young Peter Sarsgaard in there. I, it's it's good. It's like a good and risky decision by Ford. It obviously didn't pay off. Uh, Bigelow's obviously a fantastic director, and she directs this kind of the submarine thriller. Best, I think, as well as anybody. So, yeah, um, yeah soft recommend, but a but a but a, but a recommend for sure. K nineteen, The Widowmaker. Yeah, so it's a solid picture, I think. Uh, oh my god so yes. next up we have ben Looking affleck and i do think i i think i called this out as like a performance that i liked when we did his episode yeah but he's so good um but i chose the film extract it's a 2009 movie directed by mike judge i will say the plot of the movie has aged in kind of an icky way but i think the movie also knows it all the way through which helps uh but basically jason bateman is the manager of an extract plant and he's in kind of a sexless marriage with Kristen Wiig. And so he winds up meeting Mila Kunis and he wants to have an affair with her. So to justify it, he tries to hire this sort of dummy to be the pool boy uh, so that Kristen Wiig will sleep with him. And he's justified in having the affair and in helping him do that, he enlists Ben Affleck, who is his drug dealing bartender, who is so good. And uh, yeah, good. anyway, extract. Check Mike it out. Judge. It's funny. Mike Judge. Very funny um all right next up oh yeah you've never seen this one um jet lee <laughs> is in a movie called ocean heaven which i kind of watched after or like right either right before or right after we recorded our yeah, episode. yeah i remember you spot checking it but kind yeah. of a lovely movie um it's a drama um he's i guess yeah i'm looking here it's his first quote-unquote first full drama uh role right he, there's like no action he's just a father um with a son He's a 21-year-old son with autism. Okay, so Jet Li's trying to care for him while trying to like support both of them because the mother has passed away. But a strong recommend for me, honestly. And I think Jet Li's like really good in it, to be honest. So that is Ocean Heaven. Definitely worth watching. 
So next up, uh, we shouted him out before, but we're back to Brian Coppola. Brian. Yeah. Uh, so we, he does not like this movie. We'll yeah. Just say. No. And so. I understand why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I chose a movie that he wrote uh, and, and produced uh, titled Runner Runner. Ben Affleck plays the villain. Justin Timberlake plays an online poker player who winds up getting in over his head he loses basically all of his princeton tuition money and he want because he gets cheated and he winds up going to costa rica where ben affleck's company who runs all this online gambling is sort of stationed and he tries to confront affleck about it he gets his he gets a job with affleck shenanigans ensue from there people get fed to crocodiles it's a whole thing it's certainly got like the koppelman thing where if you've seen rounders if you've seen billions even or what you know there's just like a lot of that kind yeah, of that's they have a yeah. specific style yeah there, there's a there's a pattern there that if that if you like that that's certainly here i just think overall the you movie know, brad Furman directed it who i think you know by all accounts made some decisions that probably uh hampered the film we'll say um so it's an unfortunate movie kind of a curio um at best kind of funny enough similarly actually our next one Catherine hepburn this is um the sea of grass directed by Ilya kazan actually um and starring hepburn and uh spencer tracy and it's not good. And I'm recommending it just because it's interesting, right? Because it's Kazan, you know, and then it's Kepernan's <laughs> Tracy. It's kind of a Western. Um, Tracy plays this incredibly unlikable guy. It's a very, very, very dry film. Kazan kind of got the movie taken from him by the studio. Really, like, publicly discouraged people from seeing the film when it came out. So it's kind of one of these, like, Melvin Douglas is also in it. It has this, like, really mean ending. Um, It's not good, but it's just kind of, it's interesting. So The Sea of Grass. Uh, Next up, we have Kira Knightley, uh, and I chose 2004's King Arthur. Um, She's not in a ton of the movie. She shows up basically halfway through as Guinevere. Um, and she gets to do some stuff again. I, this isn't really it's not really a movie I'd recommend so much as it is a fascinating. They made it. Yeah, yeah the they, fact made, that they even it. made it. Exactly. Yeah. And so if it's if you're interested in curios, I think on paper, it sounds really cool. Uh, Antoine Fuqua aiming to make as historically accurate as possible a sort of what really happened of, of the King Arthur mythology. It begs the question, has any movie that's done that, I'm thinking of Ridley Scott's Robin Hood, which I know we both yeah. really like, but has any movie that has done that worked? I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, 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 oh, you know this story, but here's the real one. So like, anyway, yeah. just an interesting thing to say. I mean, look, this is this this run here isn't great because the next one <laughs> is, um, it's one of the last movies Amy Heckerling made. Uh, wrote and directed by the great Amy Heckerling. And it's a movie that the production company that made this movie fell apart kind of while this movie was being made. I think partly because of the budget of this movie. The movie's I Could Never Be Your Woman. Saoirse Ronan's one of her earliest roles. It's Michelle Pfeiffer, Paul Rudd starring. It's kind of like Paul Rudd's the younger man. Michelle Pfeiffer's the slightly older divorcee. And she's like, she's playing like an Amy Heckerling type of character. Um, 
there's a lot of stuff in this comedy that hasn't really aged particularly well. The movie got totally dumped because of the financial troubles of the production company, uh, you know, slash, you know, distribution studio. I do still think it's worth watching, to be honest, though it's a bit strained saying that. Um, but Pfeiffer alone and then young Sersha plays her daughter. Um, that is I Can Never Be Your Woman. And honestly, dude, your next one, I'm looking at our chart here. Tell me what you thought about this one. Okay. Meryl. Again, I, I don't we haven't defined what Connor Core is yet. This movie's but definitely you, Connor you, Core. You, wow. I'm not. It, that doesn't mean it works. Um, just to be clear, the the Kramer versus Kramer Benton Street follow. The movie I chose is Still of the Night. Uh, it's Meryl Streep. It's Roy Scheider. Basically, he pays a psychologist. One of his patients dies. Meryl may or may not be involved because she's the mistress. Things go on from there. It's essentially Hitchcock light, but like not as provocative or interesting as a De Palma movie, you know, like so. Oh, yeah. It is more successful at emulating like the look and pace of a Hitchcock film. Oh, that's interesting. Meryl, this is the rare case, in my opinion, of Meryl she's just not, being. Yeah, she's not. not she should not have been. No, in she's the movie. not right for it. I think Scheider's, Scheider's actually, good. He's pretty good. There are one or two sequences that are earnestly, like, very suspenseful and good. Um, but uh, but overall, it kind of falls short. And weirdly, yeah, like you said, Meryl is one of the reasons, unfortunately. All right. Next one is Cassie Lemons, who we love. Um, her husband is Von D. Curtis Hall, he who we mentioned is. on the podcast. And. Also a good director, right? We mentioned this movie is called Waist Deep, starring Tyrese um, and Megan Good. It's kind of a little Bonnie and Clyde-ish, um, but with like a lot of other things to it. And this is just, I think, a good um, thriller, to be honest. And I just really like Tyrese in it. Uh, his character's name's O2. You get Lorenz Tate is in it as well, who I really like. And not unlike Gridlocked, right? Mm. Which is one of the last movies that um, Tupac was in. Sure, yeah. Really good. Waist Deep is in that vein, a little bit more commercial, let's say. Um, Check it out. Uh, So following that up, we have 2015's Life, which I chose for uh, Robert Pattinson. I do think I shouted this one out too when we talked about it. Um, It's an Anton Corbin movie. It's I mean, it's interesting given his like photography background that he chose to make this movie. It's essentially the movie of the behind the scenes lead up to the the very famous Life magazine, uh, James Dean cover. And uh, Pattinson plays Life magazine photographer Dennis Stock, who sort of befriends Dean on the road doing this photo shoot and making this cover. And Dehan, it just doesn't pull it off, really. He doesn't look enough like James Dean. So he tries to compensate by sounding like James Dean, but it just feels like a bad impression, in my opinion. Pattinson gives a very patient and attentive and empathetic performance in it as he's just kind of observing the person that is James Dean. So I do think he is the reason to watch the movie if you feel like checking it out. Copy that. So here we go. Joel Schumacher, Oof. the great Oof. and late Joel Schumacher. He wrote the film version of The Wiz, produced by Barry Gordy and starring Diana Ross, who like campaigned hard to get the role, even though she was well past 30 when they filmed it, which shows in the film. Um, <laughs> it is a, I guess you'd call it an urban reimagining, right, of The Wizard of Oz. It was a very sure. popular Broadway show before they made it into the movie. Uh, Michael Jackson plays the, what is it, the straw man, right? 
Yeah, Scarecrow. 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 Thank you, thank you, thank you. Sidney Lumet directed it. It was supposed to be John Badham until Diana Ross forced herself into the film and then Badham walked. Uh, It doesn't ever really pop, to be honest. Nipsey Russell is actually really good as the Tin Man. Oh, interesting. Lena Horne has an interesting moment. Mabel King is the Wicked Witch. She has like an amazing scene. Um, Spoiler alert, Richard Pryor is the Wiz. It's not great, but it is a recommendation <laughs> only because it's so weird. I just wish it was better, unfortunately. That's the whiz. So next up, we have... Oh, I know uh, why you picked this one. Rennie Harlan. So, but Rennie this is Harlan not movie. what I picked for Rennie. I, I, I have another one for that one. This is Samuel L. Jackson, again, in, in, a, in a film called Cleaner, uh, which is basically, it's a 2007 film... Co-stars Eva Mendez and Ed Harris and Luis Guzman. Sam Jackson is a crime scene cleaner. He basically, but it's like a, it's like a, not for, like a, for the mob. It's for anybody in this particular case. It is for some sordid people. And he realizes that he is getting assigned to clean a crime scene before it has had the chance to be investigated. It's like two thirds of a pretty okay movie. Mm-hmm. When it's executing on who Sam Jackson is and what his job is, it's interesting and certainly like not a bad basis for a kind of wrong man thriller that ensues. I feel like it takes everything to a pretty obvious conclusion. And it just kind of gets ho-hum in the last third. But I will say Sam Jackson is pretty nice in it. He has really good chemistry with Ed Harris, actually, which is kind of nice. Um, so yeah, that's that's cleaner. Okay, next up is Bill Murray, who made the Sofia Coppola film, starred in, rather, the Sofia Coppola film, On the Rocks. This is a recent movie, Apple TV movie. I really liked it. I think it was kind of underseen, underappreciated. His daughter is Rashida Jones in the film. They suspect her husband, Marlon Wayans, of having an affair, and they... Spy on him. That's the movie on the rocks. It's good. <laughs> so uh, next up, we have Toshiro Mifune still to this day. One of my favorite episodes we've ever done. And I chose a movie that we shouted out on that episode called The Legacy of the 500,000. It is the only film he directed. It follows a, a guy played by Mifune called uh, Takichi Matsuo. And he basically hid a payload of gold in the Philippines in World War II. This group of people approaches him afterwards who have been trying to track down this treasure over the years. He's kept it to himself. He's the last surviving person who knows where it is. They track Mifuni down and they basically kidnap him and force him to track down the treasure. I, I would recommend it. It is. It does seem, I'll say this, competently directed. It's a solidly put together adventure movie. Um, there are two credited directing consultants they're credited as in the movie. Shigekichi Takeme and Mikio Komatsu. But it is, I think, a really, a really good, nice, rollicking adventure. Um, you can track down physical copies of it um, on the internet, though. So that that is a thing. But uh, that is the legacy of the 500,000. Yeah, I thought a fun movie as well. Um, okay, George Clooney was our subject. This is Welcome to Collinwood, which is a nice, nifty little heist film, almost like an anti-heist heist film, um, directed by the Russo brothers, which is funny. They made this movie 
and then never made anything else, which is interesting. <laughs> um, this is their actually directorial debut, supported uh, heavily by Steven Soderbergh, who they I know have been in kind of their referencing everything everywhere all at once. Supporting that film, they reference Soderbergh supporting their early directorial efforts. This is probably one of their better films. Um, Sam Rockwell's great in it. William H Macy's great in it. Yeah, it's just a good, solid, awkward comedy. Uh, you get Jennifer Esposito in a good role. Oh, that's nice. Gabrielle Union. Yeah, very good. Welcome to Collinwood. And George Clooney is like, it has like three really, really great scenes in it, I think, actually. So um, playing way against type. So next up, uh, we have Peter Cushing. I, so I chose a movie called Trouble in the Sky, a.k.a. Cone of Silence. Uh, it's a 1960 drama directed by Charles Friend. And it stars uh, Bernard Lee and Peter Cushing. Bernard Lee, you would know as the man who played M in the James Bond films. He basically is an aging pilot who, in the wake of the crash of an airplane on the runway, um, is sort of put under investigation and has to prove himself. Cushing kind of gets the most interesting role because Cushing is kind of like the foil, but he acknowledges sort of the trickiness of his position and he plays it kind of more even handed uh than than you might expect so it's kind of a fun nuanced role for him and yeah it's just a tight little drama set in sort of the world of commercial aviation engineering as riveting as that sounds but that is cone of silence nice all right next is an amazon prime action movie starring my one of my faves kate beckinsale it's called jolt it's an action movie it's very good. Jolt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, if you like Keep Back no, and Sale, it's, just, it's and all you like you action. I love it. I love it. Just no synopsis, just no up premise. The pace here. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it's good. So next up, Mark Wahlberg was in Two Guns with Denzel Washington. Another, yet another, our third Balthazar Cormacher joint on this episode. Um, you may have seen it. I mean, now it's certainly a B-side, kind of for both of them, honestly. Um, it's a buddy action movie with uh, with Wahlberg and Washington. Basically, they are two sort of buddy thieves that are both undercover in various respects who wind up stealing some money from a bank. Turns out that money belonged to the CIA, and they want it back, baby. And that is... Two Guns, uh, Wahlberg's funny in it. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Fun movie. Wahlberg is funny in it. Um, Novola is our next, the great Alessandro Novola. I had had The Last Movie Stars on here, which is the great HBO Max documentary directed by Ethan Hawke because Novola does a voice for that um, documentary series about Paul Newman and the great Joanne Woodward. Check that one out. But also he made a nice little indie with Christopher Walken and Sharon Stone called $5 a Day in which... Chris Walken plays Novola's father, who's a conman who claims he's dying, but Novola doesn't really believe him because his father's a conman, and it results in a road trip in which they do cons along the way. And the whole premise is Walken has figured out how to live on $5 a day using these small-time cons to get through. So that is $5 a day, directed by Nigel Cole. So next up, uh, we have Marion Davies. So I chose a movie from 1937 with Bob Montgomery. It's ever since Eve. She plays a woman named Marge Winton who keeps having to quit a bunch of jobs because her, her boss 
you know, the bosses make advances and she's tired of it or whatever. She winds up going to get another job and is told she's too attractive for the position. So this actually piques her interest. She gives herself the whatever the opposite is of a glow up. Basically, she kind of gives herself a makeover to make herself more, quote unquote, homely. And she winds up getting the job working as a secretary for uh, a writer played by Robert Montgomery, who's very lazy. And so the reason she gets hired is because the publisher is like, oh, he'll be too distracted with an attractive secretary. So we got to get him an ugly one. And uh, that's basically it. So it's kind of a dual role thing. And she's very charming in it. As we talked about, she was a very charming actress, very talented, uh, more talented people gave her credit for. But uh, but that's ever since Eve. Nice. All right. Ewan McGregor next. Um, and the movie I chose was I Love You, Philip Morris, which kind of got dumped. But it's a really good film um, in which Ewan McGregor and Jim Carrey play lovers. And um, Ewan plays the titular Philip Morris. It's uh, based on um, a real-life story of... Um, a real life con artist, this guy, Jay, uh, Stephen J. Russell, Russell, who's played by Jim Carrey. And when he's in jail, he falls in love with a fellow inmate who is Philip Morris. And it's all about them trying to reunite. And it's good. It's the directorial debut of John Requa and Glenn Ficarra, who went on to do crazy, stupid love and stuff like focus with Will Smith as well. So, uh, certainly worth a watch. That is, I love you, Philip Morris. And I love you, Philip Morris. Um, next up, we have Steve Zahn. I chose a movie at 2009's Night Train. It was a direct DVD movie he did with Lily Sobieski and Danny Glover. Uh, it's something I would almost compare to like The Vast of Night. There's a slightly cheaper, low-budge nature to it, but it is provocative. It is interesting. Basically, two people in a train car wind up having to deal with a dead body. And in his possession, he has this box that has something insanely valuable inside. And ultimately, Zahn and Sobieski conspire to keep the box and wrangle Danny Glover, who is the conductor of the train, into it. So it's them trying to kind of plot this thing. And Zahn kind of just plays a funny, kind of smarmy salesman type in it, uh, like alcoholic salesman type in it. So definitely worth it if you're down for like a quick, short, genre-y watch for sure. All righty. So here up, we have Michael Keaton was our next subject, and he recently starred in the very good uh, Martin Campbell-directed Maggie Q-starring movie The Protégé, which I believe is still available on Amazon Prime. And my goodness, is it worth watching. Fun picture. Really good action scenes, really good star performance by Maggie Q, really good kind of villainy performance by Michael Keaton. They have a great scene in a restaurant together. That is The Protégé. Yeah, Martin Campbell. Great, great, great picture. Very good director. Um, good at directing movies. So next up, uh, we have our Dar my Darius Wolski pick, uh, a movie he shot called Romeo is Bleeding, directed by Peter Medak, and it stars Gary Oldman. It's kind of a neo-noir. Gary Oldman plays a corrupt cop who winds up in over his head uh, when he sort of comes across Lena Olin, who gives a truly insane performance like an unhinged insane performance she is this uh 
Russian, I guess, assassin slash just international criminal, basically. Um, but Gary Oldman's whole life just winds up detonating because of what spirals out of control. Um, I really liked it, actually. I think it's a real it's a pretty good movie. Um if you can kind of get with this, it's very sleazy. So I think if you can get on its level, I think the performances across yeah, a lot of unlikable characters. Yeah, the movie, performances yeah. across the board are are pretty fun. And Wolski Wolf, shoots the shit out of it. It's it's really nice to look at. So yeah, and he briefly did mention it in our interview, talking kind of about that being the vibe of the look of that film being reminiscent of a lot of what was getting made at the music at video the time look. for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, next up is. Oh, yeah. Shari Springer Berman and Robert Pulcini, who um, we interviewed about their film Things um, Heard and Seen, which was an underrated Netflix thriller within the framework of the pandemic is when it came out. So like this is a cheat because we kind of talked yeah. about everything they made. They have directed some of the best episodes of a film of a of a not even remotely a B-side show called Succession. They directed the one uh, the FBI raid episode, right? I believe so. Yeah, that's like one of the best episodes of the whole show. They're really it's great. great. And yeah. I believe they're directing more uh, in this upcoming season. So watch that show. More. It's very good. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard about it. Wish, very good. wish them all. They're great people. Wish them all the success in the world. Um, so next up, we have a movie that Dan mentioned actually on our Alan J. Pakula episode. Uh, I had not seen it. You had, Dan. And I have to say you were right about it. It's a boring film yeah, called, not good. Called, not called, good. called Rollover. Uh, it's a it, it's a movie that certainly works on paper, given the, the credits. It's it's a Pakula Fonda reunion. It's uh, it's basically like a financial thriller. Fonda's husband dies. And. Essentially, the bank that he worked for might have been doing some shady shit and moving money around and and dealing with, um, you know, international forces to kind of prop up the dollar for an imminent collapse. Um, and you got Chris Christopherson. And let me tell you, he doesn't have the beard and you could tell and it just doesn't, you know, it's it's the movie's all the worse for it. Um, yep. So that's, yeah, that's rollover. I think if you want to watch a better movie, uh, a better thriller about propping up the dollar, you might as well just watch Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Seriously, <laughs> actually. All right, next up is a movie that's actually very important to me. Probably a cheat, probably not a B-side, but it's The Wood, which uh, uh, the subject here is Tay Diggs. The Wood is directed by Rick uh, Fuma. Uh, Famu, sorry, Famu Jiwa, who now does a lot of the Star Wars television stuff on Disney Plus. Um, but before you did that, he made some really interesting movies, including this movie, The Wood. Uh, it's a coming of age story. It's Omar Epps. It's Richard Chi Jones. It's uh, Tay Diggs. It's them as children. They become adults. Love, you know, loss, relationships. These movies were really important to me growing up. This, The Brothers. I mentioned, I think, a lot of these when we had um, Charday on our Tay Diggs episode. Sure, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just can't recommend this movie enough. It's important to me, and I would recommend you check it out. The Wood. So next up, back to Rennie Harlan. This was my pick oh, for Rennie. Oh, here we go, um, baby. So I went with The Legend of Hercules from 2014. Yeah, look, it is what you think it is. It's a story about Hercules, also kind of done in the in the vein of a superhero origin story. Almost, you've got Kellen Lutz as Hercules. Uh, Scott Adkins is in it. He plays Kellen Lutz's stepfather, shitty king. But basically, it's sort of an epic movie 
tropey kind of thing where he gets exiled he realizes he's a god he makes his way back he kills his dad that's basically or stepdad that's basically it famous for coming out within months of dwayne johnson's hercules yeah i will just say rennie harlan works best when he he's got confinements but he knows how to work within them and around them and and he can make something lean and tight. I think this is really just kind of more like the reach exceeding the grasp a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And this movie operates better when it's in closer quarters in terms of some of the action and stuff like that. But when he tries to do 300, it it really doesn't work. So not really a general recommend, just fascinating that it exists, quite honestly. Copy that. All right, next up is Marissa Tomei. Only You is the film directed by Norman Jewison, starring Tomei and the great Robert Downey Jr., it's a kind of a it's it's a um, rom com in which uh, the lead Faith Tomei has been told that she will marry a man named Damon Bradley, and then she meets Damon Bradley right before right as she's about to get married to another person, and she calls off the wedding and follows Damon Bradley to Italy. And hijinks ensue. That sounds it's like a, a, very, that sounds like a very, totally normal thing to do. Very, very fun movie. You got Billy Zane is in it. Bonnie Hunt's in it. Um, definitely worth it. Only you. Very good. Very, very good. So next up, we have Wesley Snipes. I chose the 1993 picture Sugar Hill, a crime saga movie uh, directed by Leon Acaso. Um, Snipes essentially plays a Harlem drug kingpin. His brother, Michael Wright, is like his older brother, but it's sort of a Fredo situation, you know, where he looks up to Snipes, that kind of thing, is maybe resentful of it. Meanwhile, Snipes is dealing with uh, men led by Abe Vigoda, kind of encroaching on the general territory, trying to wrangle that whole thing. I will say if you like movies, you know, if you liked a movie like Deep Cover or King of New York, this certainly kind of has that vibe. It's not quite as good as either of those movies. I will say Snipes is very good in the movie. Uh, it's a solid movie. Definitely worth a watch if if that, like I said, that sort of, you know, crime genre thing, is, you know, the uh, the deep cover of it all is your thing. Uh, Sugar Hill is definitely a recommend. Nice. Next up, kind of cheating. Emily Blunt's kind of barely in this, but I do like this movie. This is very mechacore. Um, the movie is Dan in Real Life, directed by Peter Hedges, starring Steve Carell and a million other people. Juliette Binoche, Dane Cook, when he was on that run, he was on when he was in a bunch of movies. Um, Norbert Leo Butts, John Mahoney, a lot of people. Emily Blunt is like the not, is like, an old high school acquaintance who comes into the picture for like two scenes uh, to kind of be a foil of sorts. Um, she's fine in it. It's a nice movie though. I like it. I still like it. Um, this is when they were making all these movies like the family stone and Dan in real life and stuff like this. I think this one is a standout. I like most do, of do what you Peter like it Hedges because you are a Dan in, in, in real life. life. Yeah. Probably, probably. That is Dan in real life. And as I'm talking to Dan in real life, uh, I will bring up a movie called The Frozen Ground, which is my pick for Nick Cage. Um, it's one of his. This movie's dir- good. Yeah, it's one of his direct-to-video ones. I certainly one of the certainly one of the better ones. I think 
really kind of just solid. I can't really. Yeah, Cage yeah. v. Cusack. Yeah, good. it's uh, Cusack is a serial killer. Cage is a cop, you know, like a rural cop on kind of his, it's his last day. It's like one of those types of movies. And it's sort of a never ending thing where he kind of has to stay behind to to deal with all the uh, all the Cusack shenanigans, it's certainly I mean, like the Cusack parts of it uh, get certainly disturbing. Um, but but Cage gives, again, one of the performances that we like to talk about, just a kind of a nice, tired performance. Um, but but really solid. I big, big recommend as just a general nice, tight thriller. Agreed. That's an underrated. Yeah, that's an underrated cage. Uh, late, late, late career cage. Okay. Next up is an interesting movie. The interpreter, directed by Sidney Pollack. Um, the subject is Nicole Kidman. She is the titular interpreter. Her co-star is Sean Penn. So this movie, um, when I was directing my first movie when I was like twenty-two, I ended up watching this movie, and I like it. This movie helped me when I was directing. I can't really explain it. It's not a great movie. The, uh, bringing back the third act conversation, this movie has a really not smart third act, I think, and it really it like it like hamstrings the whole movie. If I'm being honest, but the setup, which is basically the interpreter hears, you know, on during the off hours in the UN, hears the wrong thing from a hot microphone. And it causes chaos, right? So very kind of blowout, blow yeah, up sure. type of thing. That's a solid it's political a, it's thriller. It's a great setup, premise. Yeah. It's definitely worth watching. It just kind of gets it's it's a smart thriller that gets stupid at the end, which is a shame, right? So I think, but Kidman's good. Penn is good. It's the type of movie they don't make anymore. Uh, came out fifteen or so years ago. So it's a soft recommend, but a recommend nonetheless. The Interpreter. Uh, so. Going over to another Sydney, Sydney Lumet. Hey now. Directed a movie called The Anderson Tapes. This is my pick for Sean Connery, um, who we covered on our James Bond part one. It's an okay movie. I had seen this before, and Dan, I think you had I had recommended it to you, and you were like, Oh, it's not that good. This is my first rewatch of it, and I kind of agree with you now, actually. I will say this. I think it is good. It's I mean it's Lumet, so it's a competition. I think Lumet, it's like Lumet doing Pakula yeah, and not as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, agreed. You know, that's great. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a heist movie basically, um, where Connery plays a guy named Duke Anderson who gets out of a 10-year stretch in prison, winds up setting up a heist of six different apartments in an upper west side Manhattan apartment building, recruits the help of Christopher Walken and Martin Balsam. There are just things in it that that don't really play well, but I do think overall it's it it's still kind of a fun watch. I think Connery is actually really good in it. I think it's a really good performance. It's kind of a it definitely worth checking out. It's got a wild Quincy Jones score too. Um, that's the Anderson tapes. All right, next up is Roger Moore was our subject when we did uh, all of our Bond B-sides. Um, this movie is called The Wild Geese, directed by Andrew V. McLaughlin. Richard Burton, Roger Moore, Richard Harris are the main stars. They have to rescue this president of of just an – it's like an unnamed Southern African nation. Uh, the guy's name is Julius Lambani, played by um, – Winston Nashona. The racial politics are not amazing in this movie. They try to make it nuanced. This this is like a guy's teaming up in the shadow of the Dirty Dozen, right? Sure. Like 10 years later, right? You can see why they made it. This movie was a hit. Um, not actually not in the States, but abroad. 
It's worth watching. Richard Harris is really fun in it. Richard Burton's really like drunk in it, which I referenced in my letterbox oh, review. That's, that's and, a like, shocker. <laughs> Moore, Roger Moore's not really in a lot of it, even though he's in the whole movie. He's like very much the third lead, but is charming hmm. when he's in it. And has his intro scene is insane. And that's the wild geese. So our next bond is George Lazenby. I picked uh, a film called Who Saw Her Die, which is a Giallo movie he made uh, in Venice. And it's basically he plays one half of parents who are kind of tracking down a child murderer after their daughter gets killed in Venice. I... I, th- I don't know if this movie's particularly good and Lazenby's not very good in it, but like I think if the general kind of schlockiness of Giallo is your thing, um, it might be worth a watch. I definitely I definitely enjoyed watching it, but Lazenby particularly doesn't play very well as like someone whose daughter gets murdered. You know, like it, he, sure. the whole thing feels very procedural and it kind of it lacks a level of emotion that like yeah. a dispassionate nature to the way he kind of carries himself through the movie, which doesn't really work. But I will say if like schlocky giallo is your thing, you might like it. So next up is Timothy Dalton. We, I, I, so I picked this movie, Agatha, which came out in 1979, directed by Michael Apted. He's very supporting in this. It's so... The reason I picked this movie, it's an okay movie. It gets a little stale. In real life, Agatha Christie, the famous writer, obviously, I don't know if you knew this, Connor, in, at the tail end of 1926, she disappeared for 11 days and nobody knew where she was and it was like a huge news story in real life. Oh, that's fascinating. Did you know that? I We may have talked about it once on this, but I'm, I'm not And so this sure. movie, Agatha, starring Dustin Hoffman and Vanessa Redgrave as Agatha, right, um, is about... It like posits what happened during that 11 days. Huh. And it sounds more interesting, unfortunately, than the movie ultimately is. I won't really give it away, but Timothy Dalton plays Agatha Christie's husband, who very outwardly does not like her anymore. Mm. And it's like a very mean, like, four scene performance by Dalton. Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't succeed. It's kind of interesting because of its subject matter alone, for sure. So next up uh, are the final of our bonds. Uh, We have Daniel Craig and I chose 2007's The Invasion, uh, also starring Nicole Kidman. This movie's kind of got a terrible reputation. It had a really troubled production. It basically got taken away from its director at some point and like reworked by the studio. You can certainly tell all that. And I will admit it's not entirely as bad bad as i anticipated it wow i have not seen this i had not seen this movie now it's not particularly great it kind of is a little bit of a nothing burger of a movie but i will say i expected some sort of like insanely laughable disaster but no it it's kind of a plays out as a contagion movie and a zombie movie slash alien invasion movie all at the same time um i i don't know it was left on the cutting room floor how it got reworked but but it is tough to kind of square as a as a remake with a reason to exist. Hmm. So this one's a big cheat by me. Wes Craven is the subject. He makes a a oh, fairly you. okay <laughs> a fairly funny cameo in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, <laughs> which is the Kevin Smith movie. I think it's Kevin Smith's fifth or sixth movie. Look, you know Kevin Smith's an interesting guy. I like a lot of you know people my age grew up with him and had did have a fondness 
I still have a fondness for Jay inside of the Bob Shrek back. It has not aged well. So let's just say that <laughs> off, off the top. But I like how Craven was always willing to like poke fun at himself. We talked a bit about that with Joe Bandelli when he was on our Wes Craven episode. Oh, totally. So that's all. It's just an excuse to just kind of be like, it's fun. I don't know. That's it. Wes Craven. Uh, I mean, he, check out a lot of his. I mean, Check out his filmography. We mentioned a lot yeah, of the movies sure. on the episode, so he's made a lot of interesting films. Uh, so speaking of things that don't age well, uh, I picked a James. Oh I picked a oh James God. Toback yeah. movie uh, yeah. for my Harvey Keitel. Besides, though it's good. Though it's and a this good is, movie. Yeah, this is. I'm. I gotta look. I'd be a liar if I said it was bad. Keitel had this reputation for like showing up in directors' first films type type thing. Well, and, not and, great directors. Yeah, first yeah, films. yeah. And so it's. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And I will say Fingers, um, he plays a guy named Jimmy Finger, Jimmy, quote, Fingers, uh, Angelelli, who's this amazing pianist. And his dad is a loan shark. And so he winds up doing jobs for his dad to collect money. His mother, who is sort of a, you know, she's kind of losing it. She's not all there, but she is a brilliant musician. And he has to sort of find a way to reconcile these two halves of his life as we follow him through a certain series of events. Um, and they kind of come into conflict with one another. It's a really incredible performance. And it, and like you said, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, it's a good movie, no doubt. All right, next up, Gene Wilder was our subject. The movie I chose was Rhinoceros. This movie is actually, it's a recoupling of Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder, who starred, obviously, in The Producers Together a few years before this. It's based upon a Eugene Ionesco uh, play called Rhinoceros, and like in the play, um, it's in this world of, you know, sar the sardonic, satirical world in which... Everybody starts turning into a rhinoceros and Gene Wilder's like the sane one who is not right. But obviously kind of the point of the movie is ultimately if everybody's turning into a rhinoceros, would you ultimately want to turn into a rhinoceros? So then Karen Black is kind of your third lead who represents that thinking to some degree. The movie visually needed to be way more ambitious to if it was going to be that broad. Right. And so sure. you just it just doesn't connect unfortunately and it's worth watching only because you know anything with wilder is kind of just interesting to watch like we talked about but um you know ultimately a failure sadly so next up we have joan harrison who we we basically talked about her entire career with uh the wonderful author christina lane who wrote phantom lady which is a great book about the life and career of joan harrison you should check that out uh, I chose her last producing credit. I think it's her last ever credit, actually, uh, as a TV drama starring Ryan O'Neill and uh, Leslie Ann Warren called Love, Hate, Love from 1971. Uh, kind of a fun little TV movie. It's basically uh, a like a stalker movie. Leslie Ann Warren and Ryan O'Neill are a couple that are sort of on the outs. They're taking a break and she dates another man named Leo. Ryan O'Neill comes back. He he makes amends. He's contrite. And Ryan O'Neill and Leslie Ann Warren get married. And Leo does not like this. So Leo essentially keeps sort of stalking them, harassing them, trying to track them down because they move all the way to California. If you know what we've talked about with Joan Harrison, certainly not outside of her whole wheelhouse of 
female led driven thrillers, things like that. So, um, you know, worth worth checking out if if uh, if you like her stuff. All righty. So next up, as we approach the finish line here, Paul Newman is the subject. And um, uh, a solid recommendation is Twilight, directed by Robert Benton, who we mentioned when we talked about Still of the Night. This is a neo-noir, kind of the unofficial, kind of an unofficial third Harper movie, though his character's name is Harry Ross in this. He's a private detective, aging private detective, gets involved in a mystery you have Gene Hackman, you have Susan Strandon, you have young, very spunky Reese Witherspoon in this one. Uh, very twisty. You also have James Garner in this one, mm. um, which you know that I love. Yeah, you got um, like Rockford Vince Harper. That's kind of nice. Yeah, he's like very, that. James Garner's very good um, in this. Uh, co-written by Richard Russo, who would also write the book Empire Falls, which then became the HBO um miniseries in which paul newman also starred a few years later um i really like twilight you should watch it twilight 1998's twilight so next up we have joe wright uh, who we had a wonderful conversation with if you remember and um, we even talked to him a little bit about the netflix film uh, the netflix film woman in the windows um, a picture that he kind of clearly is not very happy with i don't really hate this movie I, it's it's essentially Amy Adams plays kind of an agoraphobic woman who maybe or maybe not witnesses a murder um, and other things kind of from her past sort of come to light and wrap around why she may or may not be having these delusions. And I think Amy Adams is pretty good in it. I think the schlock of it all feels relatively like uh, intentional. Um, Right. And so there's like a general trashiness to it that I think really I think works. I could understand how somebody else might roll their eyes at it. But I do think if uh, if you can if you can stomach a level of like fun beach read trash, uh, I, you know, I I think it's worth a watch for sure. I agree. I agree with that. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Next up is Ethan Hawke. We've talked a lot about Ethan Hawke. Um, Friend of the pod, Timothy Evans has a new podcast called Hawk Talk in which they talk all about Ethan Hawk. I think I'm going to be on it relatively soon talking about a few things. So that's interesting. So we love Ethan Hawk on the podcast. He's also a very good director. I already mentioned the last movie stars. I will shout out. We mentioned his book, The Hottest State. He made a he adapted his own book, wrote and directed an adaptation of his own book called The Hottest State starring Mark Webber, which is a very good. Me and Jordan Raup to this day still champion it. I recommend The Hottest State, along with all of his directed uh, uh, directed movies. I think he's basically done a good job all around. Seymour in Introduction, Blaze, Chelsea Walls. Good director. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we'll get we'll get you, Ethan. We're track we're tracking you. Down. Yeah, we're get we'll, we got we'll, you. Ethan. We'll get, we got we'll Steve. Get, we'll we got Alessandro. Yeah, we'll get you, we'll get you on the show. We're so speaking of somebody we got on the show, Guy Pierce, uh, a movie we've brought up a couple times, I think both with Nicholas Cage Donaldson, yep. and, uh, you know, we, we talk about it. It's definitely in our alley, up our alley, uh, a movie called Seeking Justice, which in which Guy Pierce plays kind of the antagonist who winds up kind of roping uh, roping Nicholas Cage into sort of a seedy underworld, as he promises 
essentially the ability to exact revenge uh, for the death of his wife. Um, so yeah, Pierce is fun in it. He he plays kind of this just like skinhead, smarmy, uh, fixery hitman type type character. And uh, he has a lot of fun. I think it might be what Pierce might refer to as a divorce movie, as he, <laughs> as he as he called them. But I I do think uh, I think he's pretty charming in it and pretty good. And again, it's a it's a very capable Donaldson flick too. Like it's it's just a solid thriller, I think. Uh, and certainly on the higher end again of the of the Nick Cage VOD period, I would say. The original title, I, I always wish they kept. It was called we've, The Hungry Rabbit Jumps. Yeah, we've said it before. We'll say it again. And uh, we just should just give it a live-die repeat treatment. You know, just call it that. Yeah, just, just repackage you know. it. All right, next up, Gene Hackman. I just mentioned a good B-side, Twilight, that he's in. And I'll mention a Walter Hill movie that's very good called – Oh, no, it's it's good, solidly good, called Geronimo, an American legend. Wes Studi, the great Wes Studi, plays Geronimo. Matt Damon narrates young Matt Damon, another young Matt Damon performance. Jason Patrick's the is the ostensible lead, and Gene Hackman has a very supporting performance. But him and Robert Duvall have actually one really good scene together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which is like really the only time they have a scene together in their career, which is interesting. Um is that true? Yeah, because the conversation right, they're, they're in, not, yeah, they're but they're not, not really together, right? right. right? And other point. than that, they're not in any movies, sure, which is yeah. interesting. So yeah, it's a good movie. Walter Hill, I, I kind of tweeted about this. He basically cashed in his 48-hour sequel to like make these revisionist westerns, this and then uh, Wild Bill with uh, Jeff Bridges and Alan Barkin. So the, no, it's just an interesting time in the career of Walter Hill um, ahead of another B-side, Supernova, which we talked about. So Geronimo, yeah. an American legend. So next up, we have Taylor Kitsch, who we basically we covered it all. We 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 covered we the whole career. So this was a little bit of a tricky one. Uh, I full disclosure, I had to watch this one in Russian because um, that's the only way I could find it. Uh, but I'm sure the dialogue was great. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's a short film from 2014 that taylor kitsch directed called the pieces which he is actually now officially in the in the midst of working on a feature film version of for his feature film directorial debut he is in the short as well as a man who kind of gets in over his head you know in terms of some gambling debts he drags his friend down with him it affects his wife as well uh, his friend is played by josh uh, Josh Pence, his wife's played by Abigail Spencer. Um, I will say it's, you know, it seems relatively, you know, nicely put together. It looks nice. Like, so I think there's a certain filmmaker's eye there, you know, like for whatever that's worth. So mm -hmm. I am very curious to see, you know, what, what amount, what the uh, feature film version amounts to if he, if he yeah, does get it hoping, off the ground. Yeah, here's hoping it comes together for sure. You got it, Taylor. You, we're, we believe in you. All right, next up is another Michael Apted movie, actually, funny enough. Val Kilmer's the subject. This movie's called Thunderheart, which is a good murder mystery set uh, on a Native American reservation. Val Kilmer is the uh, detective in charge. It's based loosely on um, the Wounded Knee incident in 1973, 
when followers of the American Indian movement seized the South Dakota town of Wounded Knee in protest against federal government policy regarding Native Americans. So they basically fictionalize that and then they take this other incident involving these the shootout that happened in which these um, FBI agents were killed. So politically interesting, definitely up Michael Apted's alley. Um, Val Kilmer's really good. Graham Greene's really good. Fred Ward's in this one. Sam Shepard shot by uh, early uh, earlier uh, Roger Deakins. So yeah. definitely kind of an underrated uh, piece of work. Thunderhawk, uh, strong recommend for me. So next up, we're coming we're coming right down to the final two here. Um, for Penelope Cruz, I picked a film she did in 2016 called The Queen of Spain, which is a sequel to 1998's The Girl of Your Dreams. That movie was about essentially a f- the you know the exploits of a film crew during World War II having to make a movie adjacent to the Nazis. Kind of this this one thematically follows in its footsteps. It's Franco Spain and they're kind of making a movie in the 1950s about Isabel the Queen of Spain with a sort of a John Ford surrogate, which is kind of funny actually. Um, uh, Penelope Cruz has some great physical comedy bits. I had mentioned on our episode talking about her, I kind of wanted to see her do more comedy and she's clearly having a lot of fun here. It, it's got some things on its mind and it's light and it's breezy and it's fun as just a sort of movie about making movies. Uh, it's it's definitely got its charms. The Queen of Spain. Okay, last one, guys, is Drew Barrymore. Recent subject. I sadly missed I that love episode. That this but, is the one we're ending on. This is like but so. Mitchell Beaupre uh, crushed it. Obviously, my the movie I chose is Titan A.E. Sure, the movie that ended Don Bluth's feature animation career. It was such a huge bomb. I love this movie. It's great. Uh, Matt Damon does a voice. Drew Barrymore does a voice. Bill Pullman does a voice. Uh, it's beautiful. It's interesting. It should have been seen by more people. Titan A.E. Really, really good. Titan after Earth. Yeah, I believe, and I believe, yeah, it's streaming, right? Like you can watch it. It's um, oh yeah, it's yeah, you can you can watch it. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's a Titan solid a. picture. I remember I had that soundtrack too. Had a bunch of fucking songs. This on was it the back time. When, yeah, T- back when Titan that was a, a thing. Sure. Titan E, Atlantis, the Lost Empire, yep. and Treasure, Treasure Planet, Planet. They like all, all had spell doom for, <laughs> for animation, animation studios. Community. <laughs> Even Sin, Sin, Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas, as well. And I would say, other than Sinbad, the other three are good, and you should watch. And I even like, think Sin, I even think Sinbad is not bad. The animation is so dynamic in that film. I, I know. I'm, the vo- I'm no the anima- voice performances are kind of tough, though. I'm no, I'm no animation expert, but like the, you had a weird moment of like it just was gonna be three dimensional. Uh, it, 3D animation was just had taken over. So you yeah. had all of these, like the Road to El Dorado is another mm. one, right? Where they just they that's a better movie than Sinbad. No, that's for a, sure. another yeah. good movie. Yeah. None of them did very well, yeah. and they're all different studios, right? It's not like yeah, Don, and they all, all and they all yeah. They, you're right though. They all kind of did that thing where they were like, oh, what if we integrated it? Right? Yeah, it was so like there was, very you much. You have three like, D. Yeah. You have three D application in a in a in a traditional two D space. Yeah, and it just doesn't like. Or like three-dimensional models with 2D skins on them or things yeah, like audiences that. Yeah. were just like, no, we're done. We're done with this. Yeah, you know, it just done. wasn't, you know, and sure. sadly, there's this like this batch of movies, including Titan AE, 
in which all, yeah and they're all kind of and good they're both and like, they're basically in, all pretty good and yeah. like interesting to look at too hundred um, percent yeah so anyway that that's the end that's it we did it what uh, what an episode we, yeah what we, an episode we didn't quite stick to the time limit but whatever uh and we look uh we did Thanks 99 that's that's 99 more for you um and we've got some fun stuff coming down the pipe but before we move on to that i do just want to say to you dan thank you you got two kids now i think it's yeah. a thing where maybe like for every 50 episodes we oh, do God. there'll be another mecca baby or nope, something don't even make that joke oh. nope, not, don't even <laughs> think about making that joke um, we started i had zero kids and now i have two <laughs> Um, but, but it's good to have you back, buddy. It's good to be back doing this. Uh, great to be back. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, to all of our listeners out there, just thank you. It's, uh, you, you know, we have a, we, we're, we're a little podcast that could, and we have a, we have a small, but dedicated listenership. We appreciate every single one of you, uh, especially over all these years. We love doing this thing. Uh, we're going to continue to do it. I will say, I'm going to just do real quick as fast as I can. Just also a quick Thank you to all of our guests, uh, Jordan Raup, Gavin Mevius, Karen Kimmerly, Jared Mubarak, Teresa Scott, Corey Everett, Julie Mecca, of course, <laughs> Catherine Clark Gray, Nicholas Gray, Brian J. Roan, uh, Rachel Ingram, Nate Washburn, Adam Drozen, Michael Snydell, Lucas Verga, Chad Harbold, God bless him, Alex Sherman, Courtney Enlow, Joseph Galbo, Evan Cutler-Waddles, uh, Marie Barty, Brian Koppelman, Joel Arnold, Bill Graham, Murtada Elfadal, Moiko Fuji, Rob Shear, Alessandro Nivola, Dion Taylor, Emily Kubankanik, Fiona Underhill, Steve Zahn, Andrew Jupin, Bilga Abiri, Darius Wolski, Chris File, Sherry Springer Berman, and Robert Polcini, Bill Morrison, Blake Howard, Sharday Sellers, Rennie Harlan, Jen Johans, Glenn Dunks, Joe Bandelli, Harvey Keitel, Amanda Waltz, Christina Lane, Adrian Brody, Roxana Haddadi, Joe Wright, Joe Reed, James Kenny, Luke Hicks, Guy Pierce, Mitchell Beaupre, Valerie Ettenhofer, Katie Walsh, and Mariah E. Gates. Thank you to all of you for joining us over all these episodes. And also thank you again to Adam Blotner for our theme music. If you like what you have heard, please do rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. It helps us out a great deal. Um, and coming up, if you've seen the little teaser that we dropped ahead of the release of this episode, uh, you may have noticed that we are going back to basics for our 101 and 102 episodes. We're going back to the beginning, and we are doing part two and part three on the continued B-sides of, like we said, the King of Summer tom cruise so be sure to check that out um and uh dan where can people find you at dj mech on twitter at the film stage always and connor thank you for everything you do <laughs> my god the work you put in it cannot be matched um and it is so appreciated so thank you very much and yeah thank you to all the listeners it has been an amazing ride and as always i'll throw it to connor to finish us off indeed and it's been a while so i messed up my housekeeping but you can follow us on 
uh, Twitter and Facebook at TFS B-Side or hit us up at B-Side at thefilmstage.com, B-S-I-D-E at thefilmstage.com. So please do that. Um, we're going to keep trucking along. We have our audience choice uh, episodes that that just got decided ahead of us. Dan and I have also made some fun guest appearances on other podcasts. So if you've missed us and you've already caught up with the backlog, you can feel free to check those out, such as uh, the Mixed Reviews and Watch with Jen. And yeah, other than that, keep a lookout for our Tom Cruise episodes. And until then, here's to a hundred more. And now you're listening to the B-side.